morning, Hopevale. We want to thank you for logging in today, and we want to welcome and invite you to join with us in worship. for our family, for our loved ones. God, just let us hand that over to you. 
Just let your grace, let your forgiveness, let your love just wash over us. God, we need you so much today, every day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. I too want to welcome you, Hopevale. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor. So glad that you are joining us for this time of worship. So here we are, uh, week two of meeting virtually. And so even though we are not gathering physically together, it's great that we're still connecting as a church family. And as Rachel was praying, directing our hearts upward to the hope and the life and the love that we have in Jesus Christ. And we'll continue to meet virtually in the near term. We know we'll be doing that through Sunday, April 5th. And really for all updates that you have and want to keep in touch with what's happening at Hopevale, both with our services and our programs, go to our website, hopevale.org. And on the front page, there's a red banner. Click on that and we have all our latest updates, not only services and programs, but also ministry opportunities because we've got some great things happening of how we continue to minister to our community. So check that out. Uh, also, too, we are sending out these weekly updates to our church family. All of you who are part of our mailing list, those go out on Friday, including a video update from our pastors. We sent one out this Friday, and you can access that. If you want to be part of our mailing list, reach out to us. We'd love to add you. And we realize, too, that as we stream these services, some of you may not be part of Hopevale. And if you're joining us, it's great to have you on board. You can reach out to us, hopevale.org slash new and we've got a visitor landing page there that you can fill out a virtual visitor information card let us know you've joined us so you can pass on a prayer request or you can also just find out more about the ministry of Hopevale. Well as we continue in our worship we're going to do what we do every Sunday and that's worship God through our act of giving. Now since we're not gathering physically there's not going to be a physical plate that we pass but there are still different ways that you can give to the ministry of Hopevale and to the Lord. And so one of the ways you can do that is to go to our website, hopevale.org, and we have a Give tab, and you can give that way. You can also give mobily if you text the word Hopevale to 77977. You can establish giving that way one time or reoccurring gifts. Also, as some of you did this past weekend, you can send a check, uh, money to our home office at 5360 Shattuck Road, Saginaw, Michigan, 48603, our Saginaw offices. We've been receiving gifts that way. Or if you're a little stir-crazy, you can drop by our Saginaw Ministry Center, and we've got a locked box outside if you want to physically deliver your gift. However you want to worship the Lord, let's just continue to do that, to honor God and to keep the church strong during this season of uncertainty. Well, as we transition to a time of prayer, I want to share a passage of scripture that uh, really directs our hearts upward to get a sense that though there is so much uncertainty and perhaps anxiety that's pressing upon us, we worship and serve a God who is still in control. Listen to these words from Psalm 36. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God, People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. I love that. We're taking refuge in the shadow of the wings of our Lord. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers of delight. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. There is light in this season of darkness, and we look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is for us light, life, and love. So as we continue to worship, would you bow your heads with me, and let's pray together. And Lord, we ask in this time of worship that you would give us eyes of faith to see you as the God who is high and exalted. 
who is in control in this season when it feels like everything is spinning out of control. And so we run to you. We take refuge in the shadow of your wings and look to the hope that only you can provide. Lord, our hearts are with so many during this season, during this global pandemic that has not only affected the world, but our country, our state, and even the Great Lakes Bay region. Our hearts are those who are sick, who are infirmed, and we pray for their healing. Our hearts are with healthcare professionals, those on the front lines that you would protect them and give them wisdom and help them find cures and treatments. Lord, that you would stop this virus and bring health. We believe you can do this, God. Our hearts are also with the elderly, the vulnerable, the isolated, Lord. Would you minister to them? And may we as your church reach out to those who we can help. God, our hearts too are with those who are suffering financially, perhaps through job loss or layoff. And Lord, would you provide for their needs as well? We know these are very tenuous times and even beyond that, Lord, for the anxious. For those whose hearts are gripped by fear. Lord, would you give them your peace, your faith. And Lord, for this church called Hopel, would you knit our hearts together? Would you make us one as you are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we may be bonded in the love of Jesus Christ, drawing together and then reaching out. And Lord, wherever that may lead us, may we be ambassadors who do good because, God, you are good. May we be rooted in the hope that is found in Jesus, the resurrection and the power that comes in a living Savior. And that's you, Jesus. And so we pray all these things, trusting, believing in the power of your holy name. Oh! 
glad you're with us today, friends. My name is Billy. I'm the worship pastor here. Thanks for uh, logging in to worship with us today and um, find some hope in all of this. It's a wild time. We're going to sing a song. Uh, it's about 20 years old. It's called Ancient Words, and some of you may uh, be familiar with it when Michael W. Smith uh, sort of helped make it popular. But uh, this song is really special uh, to me, has a real significance, and I had no idea, you know, we had no idea these days were coming of quarantine and uh, things like that, but, you know, we, uh, these, there's these words that talk about, the opening lines are, it says, um, words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope. And it's talk about the scriptures, these ancient words, the Bible. So um, the reason this song is uh, intensely significant for me is that uh, I knew I was going to start crying. <laughs> uh, surprise, Billy's crying again. Um, so, you know, just like a lot of parents do, you switch off and on uh, giving your kids baths at night before they go to bed or, or in the morning or whenever you do that. And so my wife and I do that. We change off and on. And um, I've, we've got this song in my daughter's playlist. And uh, it's this little kid's version that's in the playlist. And uh, we um, we sing it and um, scrubbing her little head. And I'm praying for her. And I um, sing these words that says, uh, ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. And, and I tell her, I say, they're changing you too, sweetheart. Aren't you so thankful for what God's done for us and what we know about Jesus? And she says, yeah. And then she's splashing her toys and splashing me. And I'm crying. And she's like, no idea. And she's just having fun. It's, that's just how we do. But um, this song is very uh, special, I think, for right now in the times that we're in. These ancient words that we're about to hear from Pastor Sam as he comes can bring us so much hope can bring us such a strong foundation for the way in which we are to live, uh, whether things are great or things maybe don't seem so great. Let's worship together in this song, Ancient Words.
God, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the way that they speak into our lives and encourage us and remind us that at the end of the day, it's just you and me. There's nothing that we have control over. Uh, control is so uh, delusional. And um, I know we make our choices and do the things and you give us free will, but um, Lord, uh, the only thing we can really ever know for sure is that the power of who you are, the power of what you've made, the power of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit here with us. So what a time to be reminded to rely on you. And so we do that today. Thank you, Lord, so much for this time of worship. And ask, Lord, your blessing on Pastor Sam that these ancient words would change me. Well, good morning again, Hopevale from home. This is week two of our gatherings together at home, um, but we're excited that we can even gather together. What an exciting time to be able to do this. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this last week as I watched even the service from my home and just watching um, my kids engage and watching my family engage. It was just such a, an awesome experience. So um, what an amazing time of worship we've already had this morning. It's just so good for our hearts. I'm, I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Hopevale. And I just want to say this, you know, these are very um, different times that we're living in right now. There's not a lot of certainty that we have um, going forward, but we can be sure of a, a few things. We can be sure of a few things. We can be sure that, um, that God was not surprised by any of this. We can be sure that God is still in control and that we can be sure that God wants to use his church to bring hope to this world. And so those are things that we can hang on to during some of these times. And we can ask ourselves, how can we bring hope um, in every moment that we encounter from here until this thing is, is over? And so uh, I really think that we can lean into that. And that kind of brings us peace in this moment that we can go, God, what do you want to do through us to bring hope to this world? Well, we're, our, our focus uh, has been on prayer this month and specifically about taking away the intimidation that can surround prayer sometimes and, and giving us some per personal motivation as to why we should pray and how we should pray. And so Jesus said this um, that we've been going back to every week in this series. He said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus encourages you and I to go to God in prayer, to ask, to seek, and to knock. So for the past three weeks, we as a church have been taking that teaching and we've been trying to put that into practice. Well, we are in week four of our 31 days of prayer series. And Pastor Dan talked to us in week one and week two about our attitudes in prayer as it relates to how we should think about God as we pray. And he, he kind of used this illustration of an airplane with two wings, that we should on one hand be sincere and that we should be reverent on the other hand. You know, that not only is God good as we come to him in prayer, but God is also great. And so we come to him in reverence. Well, we are in week four of uh, this series, and last week we looked at the actions. We didn't just look at the attitudes, we looked at the actions of this, um, the whole thing in prayer and how we should pray what we are praying. And the first action we talked about last week was learning to be specific in what we're praying. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at a second action, and that action is being expectant when you pray, being expectant. This past Christmas, um, I asked my daughter, Karis, I said, Karis, what do you want for Christmas? And uh, she said to me, and she said, I think I want an iPad. Now, 
Um, her older brothers, um, one of them has an iPad, one of them has an iPhone, and she doesn't have one. And so she was using my a- iPad all the time, and she was, I was getting, getting kind of annoyed because I would want to use it, and then she would want to use it. And so she said, I want my own iPad. And so I said, well, why don't you ask Santa for an iPad this year? We, every year we go to uh, breakfast with Santa in Frankenmuth at Zender's. And so she got all excited. She goes, yes, I'm going to do that. And so we, um, we went to breakfast with Santa, and we lined up. And here's a picture of um, my daughter, Karis. She decided to wear this beautiful red velvet dress with the, the white fur. And as soon as she got there, Santa was like, come take a picture with us. And so we looked at her, and we're like, oh, look, it's a family photo um, of the closet with Karis. But she was so excited, and she had just so much expectation of asking Santa for this iPad. So she gets up there, she sits on his lap, and she says, I want an iPad. And so then we ate breakfast and we went home. And what I noticed about my daughter, Karis, in this whole time was that her verbiage started changing and her demeanor started changing after this encounter. It went from if I get an iPad or I hope I get an iPad to when I get an iPad. And I'm looking at her and she's going, well, Dad, my iPad, when I get it, I want this and this and this and this. And I stopped and I said, Karis, um, how do you know you're going to get an iPad for Christmas? Like, how do you know that's going to happen? And she looked at back at me and she said, Dad, Santa has never not gotten me what I wanted. He's never let me down in this whole thing. And I'm looking at her going, oh, really? <laughs> and I think it, I just thought it was so funny. And, and now what I'm not saying is this, okay? I want you to hear me very clearly. What I'm not saying is there is a one-to-one correlation between praying to God and asking Santa for a Christmas present. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear that. But Karis' story here highlights for us that there is a connection between confidence and expectation. And our faith in something or someone and their trustworthiness. There is a connection between confidence and expectation. And our faith in something and someone or someone and their trustworthiness. And I want you to think about it this way. God actually invites us into this level of trusting him. To put our confidence and our faith in his trustworthiness. I mean, look at how the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews puts it here in Hebrews 11. The writer says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The writer of Hebrews wants us to understand a few things. First, they want us to understand that God is pleased when we trust him in faith. When we come to God in faith, that pleases God. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, on the other hand, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's the first thing we need to notice. The second thing that they want us to understand is that that if and when we come to God in prayer, we must come believing him. We must come believing him. And the third thing, when we come to God in prayer, in faith, believing him, We must come confidently, and we must come expectantly. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. When we pray, we need to be sincere, we need to be reverent, we need to be specific, but we also need to be expectant. We need to be expectant in our prayer. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, a physical one, a digital one, I want you to grab it and maybe gather around your family together and you can look at it together. Or, or you can just follow along with us here as we have it on the screen. Um, you can also follow along with the message notes on our app if you'd like to do that. I want you to find James chapter 1. We started there last week, James chapter 1, and we're going to continue on um, in this chapter, James chapter 1. We were, last week we read verses 2 to 5 and we talked about this principle of being specific in our prayers, and, and we are specific in our prayers and even bold in our prayers, we learned last week, when we can get really specific about our needs. And so James walked us through that. Well, we're going to look at verses 5 to 8 this morning, and we're going to see how James takes prayer from specific to expectant. And so let's look at what he says here. James chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 5. We're going to go back to verse 5 like we did last week. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God. There it is, right? Specific need, bold prayer, specific prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Look at verse 6, though. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. He's moving from specific prayer to expectant prayer. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the ones who doubt, one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Look at verse 7. 
That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Look at verse 8. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Double-minded and unstable in all they do. So specific needs, bold prayers. And then he talks about what you should expect when you come to God in prayer, when you ask. Our expectation when we pray, according to James and and other places in the New Testament, is that we should expect that God can and will answer those prayer requests. He says, you must believe and not doubt. See, expectations are built on trust. Expectations are built on trust. So when we pray with expectation, what we are saying is this. We're saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I I trust you who you are in your character. I trust who you are, and I trust what you have said. I'm trusting in your promises. See, what James is saying is that when we doubt God in answering our prayers, when we come to him and pray, but we doubt that God has the ability to answer our prayers, what we are really saying is, God, I'm either doubting who you are, I'm doubting what you can do, or I'm doubting what you have said. You know, there are many reasons why we would doubt when it comes to this thing called prayer. Maybe some of these reasons are maybe when you pray, you, you think to yourself, maybe I don't deserve it, and so you doubt. Or, or maybe I'm not worthy of it. Or maybe it's these thoughts that creep into our head like, well, I've prayed like this before and it didn't work. Or, you know, why am I going through this in the first place if God really loves me? And all of those things can start to creep into our minds and cause doubt. And before I go any further on this, I just want to say this. Doubt is a normal part of our human experience. It really is. Doubt happens to all of us. Doubt even happens to the most believing and faith-filled individuals. And so it's not about if doubt happens. That's not what James is addressing here. He's addressing what we do with the doubt. Doubt is going to come in. Now what are you going to do about it? That's what James is talking about here. And James uses the illustration of a wave of the sea being tossed here and there, not knowing what direction it will end up going in to describe a person who actually succumbs to doubt about God and about his faithfulness and about his trustworthiness. And I'm sure James's original readers may have even imagined what it would be like to be just a small boat out on a sea and a storm comes and all of a sudden waves are tossed here and there and, and they probably thought, oh my goodness, that is what he's talking about, being tossed around like that when you doubt God. You know, a, a couple years ago, um, I was out kayaking out on the bay. My family takes vacation in the summer out on um, the bay up in Bay City every year. And um, I love to go kayaking. And so I was out kayaking, and it was a per- particularly windy day. And so I braved it. And um, the, the waves were kind of going all around. And I was out there with my paddle, and I was going and going and going. And I got out pretty far, and I realized it was taking a lot of energy to go out because the wind was blowing in. And so I looked, and I'm like, I better go back. And so I turned around, and I started going back. And the house that I wanted to go back to, the shore, was right here when I started. And so I just put my head down, and I started paddling one on either side. This picture up here, um, it was not that day, and it wasn't me, but I just want to show you the place I was trying to paddle to. Um, I was paddling left and right, trying to go, and I put my head down. When I look back up, though, the house that used to be there was no longer there. It was over there. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what is happening? And I realized that the waves were blowing me towards another part altogether. And if I wasn't careful, I was going to be all the way at the state park before too long. And so I turned the boat or the kayak around and I just kept going. And I tried to keep it straight, looking up and kept going, kept going. And I finally made it back to shore. And I just started thinking to myself, oh wow, I would have been, without a paddle, I would have been completely at the mercy of wherever the wind and wherever the waves wanted to take me at that point. And I would have completely gone to a place I didn't want to go. You know, when it comes to prayer and expectation versus doubt, James is telling us that it's kind of like that little situation with the kayak. That we have to have some kind of a paddle or a rudder or something that keeps us going straight, keeps us going, where, or else this doubt is going to take us and blow us all over the place. And he's telling us that the paddle, the rudder that helps us navigate The waves of doubt is this idea of trusting in God. Trusting in God. A follower of Jesus who prays but doesn't trust that God can and will answer prayer, they're actually known, uh, they're what is known as a Christian atheist. 
a Christian atheist. Now, here's what I mean by a Christian atheist. A Christian atheist um, is somebody who, they don't renounce God. They don't say God doesn't exist. But, but in their actions, in how they live, they begin to act and live their life as if God doesn't exist. Um, they acknowledge that God exists, but they act like he doesn't. They, they say things like, well, I believe in God. I believe he exists. I believe um, that he's there. I, I, I trust him to answer prayer. But when you follow their life and how they're beginning to live, they are acting like they only trust themselves. And they only want whatever is in, they can control. And they begin to act like God doesn't exist. And this is what James is referring to when, when he talks about a double-minded person, someone who maybe acknowledges that God exists and wants to pray, but they don't really believe or act that God is actually going to answer those prayers, and they act like he doesn't really exist. That's a double-minded person, and James's conclusion is that the person who is this like Christian atheist who is double-minded, who acknowledges God's existence but acts like he doesn't, like he isn't there, that person should not expect that God will answer any prayer that they pray. Why? It's because they have abandoned their trust in God. They've abandoned their trust in God that he can answer prayer and that he will answer prayer. And so the question should be, why should someone who has abandoned their trust that God can and will answer prayer expect that God's going to answer prayer? It's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy that like you just doubt that God's going to answer prayer, so why would you pray in the first place? He says that person should not expect that God's going to answer any of that. And so what James is saying to you and to me, over this whole chapter, he's saying, when you pray, first be specific. Be specific. Be specific in your needs. Be specific in your, your requests. Get bold in what you pray. And then he is saying, be expectant. Be expectant. And our expectation for the answer to our prayer comes from our trust in God. And our trust in that who God is is his character and what he has said in his promises. Bottom line, guys, praying confidently comes from trusting completely. That, that ability to pray confidently comes from trusting God completely. I want you to look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21 about this whole thing. Look at Matthew records this. Jesus replied to his disciples because they were in awe over a situation that happened. He said, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Look at verse 22. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, the story went something like this. That Jesus was, um, he was pretty upset with the religious elite teachers at the temple. So he goes to the temple, and they had turned this house of prayer, this temple, into an oppress the poor by overcharging for sacrifices, get rich scheme. And so he gets really upset with them, and he you know, makes a whip, and he flips over some tables, and he drives them all out of there. I mean, go Jesus, right? And then later on in the, the chapter, he has another run-in with them over um, some children who had acknowledged Jesus for who he really was in the the, the religious teachers were like, are you hearing what these children are saying about you? And he's just, he's just upset by this whole encounter. And so he's walking out of Jerusalem. On his way out of town, he passes by this fig tree. And he was hungry, but the fig tree was empty. It had no fruit on it. And so he curses the fig tree in front of all his disciples. And he says, may you never bear fruit again. And it immediately withers as soon as he says this. And this wasn't just, uh, you have to understand this, this wasn't just Jesus mad at this tree. And I think every first century um, Jewish reader would know that immediately. They're like, oh, something else is going on here. Because the fig tree here symbolically stood for the nation of Israel. It was a metaphor that was going on here. And so Jesus metaphorically was acknowledging this fig tree has no fruit. Just like Israel has now gone spiritually bankrupt. He's, he's declaring that. And so his cursing of the fig tree was actually another way he was saying that he was about to introduce this new covenant. And so as, as we look at that, and he talks about, you know, you can not only do what you know, happened to the fig tree, that's the story behind that, right? But he, we also, also want us to see not just the story about this fig tree, but the confidence in God and not in this faithless, trustless religion. Jesus is pointing out there that this is what is most important, not this other stuff that's going on here. But when he speaks about prayer, Jesus is saying something very profound here. He's highlighting to us that the power 
in our prayers. And the confidence that we have is not in the prayers themselves. It's not in this, you know, trustless kind of religiosity kind of a thing. The power in our prayers and the confidence that we can have is in trusting the one in whom you are praying to. It's the confidence that you put and the trust you put in the one whom you are praying to. Our confidence in our prayers comes from trusting God. Praying confidently comes from trusting completely. And so the question in front of us this morning is this. How can I build my trust in God so that I can pray more confidently and more expectantly? What can I do to be more expectant in my prayer life? Well, I want to offer a few suggestions here this morning. The first one is this. Um, Make a faithfulness list. Make a faithfulness list. You know, grab a piece of paper or a journal or open up a note on your phone. Or maybe um, you even need, need it to be more visible to you. So maybe you want to make a poster or a dry erase or a chalkboard or something like that in your house. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to start jotting down all the things that you can think about God's faithfulness. Just start writing those things down. These can be generic. Um, they can be um, something that you found in scripture you can write down. Or they can even be times and instances where God seemingly showed up in your life or in the life of somebody else. Just start writing those down and see, you know, how long that list gets for you. And I want to say this. This isn't a time for you to try to explain away why this was or wasn't God in the moment. You know, this is, this is an exercise of trust. This is an exercise saying, you know, I'm going to trust God that God can show up in the little tiny details of things and also in the big macro um, issues too. I think one of the biggest ways that we can begin trusting God completely is actually allowing ourselves to acknowledge his faithfulness. And just taking a look at it, like physically looking at it and saying, wow, God, you have been faithful. You are trustworthy. See, the more more you physically see how faithful God is and has been right in front of your eyes, the more you will trust him. Because there is a connection between trusting and having faith and the trustworthiness of the person you're putting your faith in. So that's first. Create a faithfulness list. The second thing is this. And this one may be a little tricky. But I want you to try to doubt your doubts. Try to doubt your doubts. You know, it's really easy to doubt your beliefs, right? Like, I believe this, and then all of a sudden those doubts come in. You're like, oh, I'm not sure that's true. But what if you, for a season said something like this, you know, I'm going to lean into trying to trust God more, especially during this season, and so I'm going to actively doubt those moments in my life where doubt starts creeping in. I'm going to doubt those moments. You know, when feelings of doubt and uncertainty creep in, actively say something like, I am just, I'm going to doubt this. This is just something else. I'm going I'm to take some time and I'm just going to doubt this doubt that's coming into my life. And I want, I want you to understand something. It's, it's impossible to be 100% certain and without doubt on things. That's why it's called faith, right? I mean, even the disciples who walked with Jesus for three years walked away when he was crucified. But I think a step in the right direction of trusting God more is actually taking this step of doubting your doubts. And this doesn't mean that you should, you know, during this time try to search for being certain about things that are, you know, that are starting to creep in as doubts, you know, because the opposite of doubt isn't certainty or even clarity on some of these things. The opposite of doubt is trust and trusting God. There's this story of this uh, Jesuit philosopher named John Cavanaugh, and he went to, um, to work in this place called the House of the Dying in Calcutta, India with Mother Teresa. And at this time, um, Cavanaugh was searching for an answer some, to some spiritual struggles that he was having. Um, he was starting to doubt his faith and all this stuff. And on his very first morning there, he meets Mother Teresa. And, and she asked him, what can I do for you? And so Kavanaugh re- replied back to her. He says, I want, can you pray for me? And so she asked him, what do you want me to pray for? And so he answers her with this request that has just kind of been kind of building up. He wants more certainty. He wants more clarity. He he's wants the doubts to go away. And so he says this to her. He says, Um, I want you just to pray that I have clarity. And Mother Teresa looks back at him and says firmly, no, I will not do that. I won't do that. And so he asks her why. And when he asks her why, she answers back, clarity is the last thing that you're clinging to and you have to let go of. 
And so Kavanaugh says back to her, he says, well, you always seem to have clarity. And Mother Teresa laughs and says, I've never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. And so I will pray that you trust God. I, I love that. I've never had clarity. What I have had is trust. And so I'm going to pray that you trust God. It's this moment where you go, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to doubt my doubts. And I'm not going to try to replace it all with clarity and and certainty, but I am going to try to replace it with this third part, which is trust. It's deciding to trust. Deciding to trust. Trust is a, is a leap of our will. It's a decision that you make. See, if you're waiting for all of the answers, if you're waiting for clarity, if you're waiting for certainty, and then you can believe, and then you can trust God, I'm just telling you right now, you're going to be waiting around for a long, long time. You know, there's this, this scene in the movie um, Bruce Almighty that I always think about when I think about trusting God. You know, Bruce is trying to figure out his life. A lot of stuff is just crashing around him, and he's driving his car, and he's, he's praying out loud. He's like, God, I just need you to, to tell me what to do. Give me a sign. And there's this sign on the side of the road, blinking, caution ahead, you know. <laughs> and then he's, he keeps driving and ignoring it. And then, you know, this truck pulls in front of him and has all these signs behind him. like Signs like, stop, do not enter, don't go forward. And he's like, I just need a sign, God. And it's like right in front of him. Instead of seeing these signs, he gets mad at the truck for slowing him down. And he pulls around him. He hits a pothole and ends up hitting a pole. It's a funny movie and it's a, a funny scene in that movie. But it has some profound truth to it. And the truth is that sometimes the answers we're looking for are right there in front of us. We're just not seeing them. And we're not trusting God that he's putting them there. See, I think we make our faithfulness list and then we just need to make a decision. See how God's already been trustworthy. See all of those things that maybe we've never really put words to, we've never really seen before. But we need to write them out. We need to see them in front of us and then just make a decision to trust. See, when you decide to trust, even if, even if doubt seems like the most reasonable thing to do, you are following in the footsteps of many giants of the faith who believed even though they didn't see. And even when it didn't make sense. You know, when like Job said, though he, speaking of what was happening to him and attributing that to God, you know, he said, even though he slays me, yet I will put my hope in him. I will trust him. See, praying confidently. And praying expectantly comes from trusting completely. So my question here this morning is, what do you need to do so that you can trust God more completely so that you can pray more confidently? God is inviting you and me into this conversation with him called prayer. And so in that, be sincere, be reverent. Be specific, and when you pray, be expectant. Let's pray together. God, you are inviting us into this moment to pray to you. And God, you've already shown us through this whole series that we, we need to be sincere, we need to be reverent, we need to be very specific, but... But God, you want us to be expectant. You want us to, to look at you and say, God, you are trustworthy and you're faithful. And so I will put my trust in you and I will pray with expectation. And I will pray with confidence knowing that you can and you will answer prayer. And God, you're, you're not um, asking that we try to figure out all the answers, but that we put our faith and our trust in you. And God, there may be um, somebody who's watching this who may be struggling with doubt, may be struggling with uncertainty, especially in the times that we're in today. But God, I pray that they would take those steps, that they would begin to look at your faithfulness, that they would write all those out and just, just take a glance at it. And that God, that they would, they would start to doubt those doubts that come creeping in and say, you know what, I'm <laughs> not based on... God, your faithfulness and your trustworthy, all these thoughts that are coming, I'm just going to doubt that because I see your faithfulness in front of me. And God, because of that, I'm going to decide to put my trust in you and I'm going to pray expectantly and I'm going to pray confidently. God, may we 
have more bold prayers and more confident prayers because we are trusting in who you are and what you said. So God, give us the courage, give us the strength, and give us the faith to trust who you are so we can pray expectantly. In Jesus' name.
close out our service here this morning, waiting here for you, God, in prayer and expectation, knowing you can and you will answer our prayers. Well, next week, Pastor Dan's going to conclude our 31 days of prayer series by talking about being persistent in prayer. We thank you so much for inviting us into your home here this morning. And here's what I want you to do. This week, Look for ways, not only to pray expectantly, but look for ways, whether you're on social media, whether you're, you know, having some kind of a FaceTime with somebody, look for ways to bring hope, the hope of Jesus into this world. Thank you so much for joining us here today.